0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. President Trump is trying to downplay Michael Cohen's guilty plea, telling Fox News in a new interview that Cohen's actions don't constitute a campaign finance violation.
1: Obama had it. Other people have it. Almost everybody that runs for office has cam- campaign violations. But what Michael Cohn pled to weren't even campaign related. Why, they why weren't is- crimes.
0: Joining us is Ken Doyle, Senior Editor for M- Money and Politics at Bloomberg Government. He's coming to us from our Bloomberg 991 studios in Washington. Ken, let's start by straightening out the difference between the fine against Obama's 2008 presidential campaign and the crime, the felony, that Cohen pleaded to.
2: Yeah, the, the Obama uh, uh, issue that he was talking about was uh, had to do with reporting. It was a, um, the Obama campaign raised, uh, three quarters of a billion dollars. Uh, and they, some of the, um, contributors, uh, gave uh, more than they than they were allowed to give they they had you know repeated contributions, and some of them went over the line of what they were allowed to give um and they were not uh, you know reported or they were not reported on time and the FEC went back and audited that uh, the Obama campaign uh, found some of those problems and ended up um Finding the Obama campaign actually several hundred thousand dollars, but compared to the amount of money in the campaign, it was it was pretty minimal, and it was considered at the time an administrative uh, paperwork violation. Essentially, that the contrast, of course, with the, the Michael Cohen uh, case is um, the key issue of intent. We've been waiting for this, uh, you know, shoe to drop for several months. Uh, that the, you know, since uh, Cohen's. Uh, office and apartment were raided and they were looking for um, documents and other information that might show whether payments were made, who made them, and and the key issue of why were they made. And Cohen got up there and said it was because um, uh, of the campaign and because they were trying to hide uh, what was going on from from the voters, essentially.
3: Ken, as far as we're concerned, you're the top expert in the country on campaign finance laws, <laughs> I appreciate and, that. I'll and and, try to and, live and up we to that. <laughs> well, and we talk all the time about the, the the weaknesses and failures in them. But in this instance, in the Cohen case,
2: did they work? it it looks like it, well we'll see i mean right uh, you know the, the cohen is a cohen made a plea bargain it's not the end of the story um the question is um you know whether it can be proven that the trump campaign did something that that it wasn't uh, supposed to do and whether whether the president i mean he implicates the president in his statement i was struck by the contrast Between the the Cohen case, you know, where there was a guilty plea uh, in New York and then the the Manafort case in Virginia where there was a trial. And in the Manafort case, of course, you had, you know, a mountain of evidence, uh, documents, uh, witnesses going in there to testify about the financial and tax crimes of Manafort. In, In the Cohen case, you have one guy standing up there saying, I did it. And it was because of the campaign, and because it was a plea bargain that prosecutors don't have to prove anything more than that they've got the the guy that they're charging admitting that he did it. But if somebody else is charged who says he didn't do it, like President Trump, they would need to prevent present more evidence and present witnesses like Cohen to try and prove that case and so that is where this moves now but
0: can, but can um <clears throat> the prosecutors can't uh, couldn't have stood by. Uh, Michael Cohen in his plea, if they didn't have evidence that what he was saying, in other words, if they didn't have evidence backing up what yeah. he was saying, they yes, had to have to have. They have to have something. Yeah. They've also they haven't named people, but there are other people referenced. And mm-hmm. my question to you is if. And Kazami said, the deputy U.S. attorney said afterwards, we will not fear prosecuting additional campaign finance cases. Mm
2: -hmm. Does
0: it sound to you from what you see in the information, the Cohen information and what was said, that there are more campaign finance cases
2: ahead? Well, yeah. I mean, the question is, what will they do with? Cohen got up there and said, "I was ordered by the candidate to do this." The candidate was Trump, so you know, the the principal person involved in this is President Trump, according to Cohen's plea. The question is, can they prove that? You know, uh, uh, Trump is you know making sort of legal arguments and not so much factual arguments anymore. He initially denied that the payments were made, but now he's you know pretty much admitted that this was done, but said it was unrelated to the campaign. And the question is what is the evidence there other than cohen's say so that could prove that now that you know this all happened after his apartment was raided and and the and his computers and phones and and everything were, were looked at by prosecutors which presumably had you know the hard evidence there that could that could back this up but we haven't seen that yet
3: uh, Ken, we want to also talk about this other campaign finance case um, involving California Congressman Duncan Hunter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has now been charged uh, with using hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign funds for personal expenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your analysis of that case?
2: Yeah, this is one that that also came down on Tuesday. Tuesday was a big day. Uh, And another one that has been percolating for for actually for years. I mean, it's a year and a half ago that uh, the House Ethics Committee announced that it had handed off uh, uh, an investigation of Hunter to the Justice Department. Um, This, you know, similar to uh, some of the some of the issues involved in the Trump situation, uh, comes down to questions of intent that if somebody – you know it, it, certainly somebody a candidate is allowed to raise and spend money that's the key to to running campaigns, but there are distinctions between um spending money to help a campaign and spending money to uh, help a candidate and and what happened with the hunter case is that um there was money that was reported on FEC forms to be for campaign expenses, uh, things like travel and entertainment, which can be campaign expenses if you're raising money or trying to trying to spread your message. But in fact, according to the prosecutors, uh, this was money that was used to take family vacations, to pay for his school tuition, to pay for um, you know other types of entertainment. Uh, you know some of it very lavish. It was two hundred fifty thousand dollars that it was that where you had a family. Here that was just simply living beyond its means, and using the piggy bank of a, you know, a campaign account stuffed with cash, uh, and in a in a district where he was considered a very safe candidate, didn't need to spend a lot of money to get elected, and he was just helping himself to the money. That's that's Can, the allegation.
0: Ken, just a, about a minute here. How could you expect to get away with such flagrant violations like that?
2: Oh, that's a that's a great question, and I I don't know. I mean, I think that. Um, you know, somebody, uh, a, a congressman who figures that he's in a safe seat, who has a huge amount of money, I think probably has a temptation. You know, any of us sitting there, you know, with a, 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 an account that we could just write a check on for anything uh, and decide that we need money and say, well, I've got that sitting there. Let's let's just tap that. I think that's a big temptation. And, and some people, you know, succumb to temptation. We certainly have people in power who are not necessarily the most honest people, at least according to prosecutors. (laughs) Okay,
0: well, we will see if we hear more of these kinds of cases. Thanks so much, Ken. That's Ken Doyle. He's a senior editor for Money and Politics at Bloomberg Government. Coming up, we're going to be talking more about the Cohen plea and the effect it's having at the White House and on President Trump. And a reminder, you can listen to all of today's interviews as well as past episodes of the show anytime on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. That's Bloomberg.com slash podcast. More coming up on politics, policy, power and law. This is Bloomberg. Just after
3: she won the Republican primary election earlier this month, Wisconsin Senate candidate Leah Vukmir attacked her Democratic opponent, the incumbent senator.
0: Tammy Baldwin does not represent our Wisconsin value.
3: But a new poll from Marquette University in Milwaukee shows that a slim majority of Wisconsin voters support Baldwin over Vukmir. Charles Franklin is a professor of law and public policy and the director of the Marquette Law School poll, and he joins us now from, by phone from Milwaukee with more uh, on this on his new poll. And, uh, Professor, what are the numbers?
1: Well, we've got, of likely voters, Baldwin at 49, Bukmer at 47. So that's close. If you look at all registered voters, it's Baldwin 51, Vukmir 43, an eight-point margin, which is uh, about the same as in June when it was a nine-point margin. So it looks like this race has tightened, but it's especially tightened among the people most likely to vote. And likely more familiar with Vukmir as a challenger. She's never run statewide. She's still introducing herself to voters.
0: Now, um what seems to be changing, making the race tighten up? Is President Trump a focus in any way in this race?
1: He is. I think one thing is, you remember, we just had the primary last week. So, Vukmir and the Democratic gubernatorial candidate are both getting post primary bounces. So, that's one element of it. Vukmir and her Republican opponent strongly embraced Donald Trump and his policies in the primary. They really ran with Trump in competing with each other for the nomination. So one of the questions is, does that help her or hurt her now as she turns to the general election? And there, it's a little challenging. Trump is underwater here, 45 approved, 51 disapproved. But Republicans, 87 percent approval. Dems just four. But on the important independents, Trump is at 41, 52 so Huckmere needs to appeal to some of those independents, and they're a bit underwater for Trump.
3: And, uh, Professor, just hold on for one second, because we do have this uh, these headlines hitting the Bloomberg terminal right now, speaking of President Trump, and as you know, he gave an interview to Fox News this morning in which he was once again critical of his Attorney General Jeff Sessions, but in a statement... Uh, the attorney general says that he is proud to serve with the Justice Department and says that DOJ actions won't be in, influenced by politics. Uh, interesting comments uh, from the attorney general there, uh, Professor. Um, so, actually, I mean, do you, will will, this, will yep. is, is this kind of thing? Will this uh, uh, all this uh, all this uh, stuff with the campaign and the Russia investigation, uh, Manafort Cohen? And what and what have you. And, and this with Jeff Sessions, let's get your reaction. Is is that showing up in the polling that you're doing? Will that will that become a, an issue in the campaign?
1: I think it certainly can be. But first of all, our poll was finished before the uh, events of Tuesday. Of course. So, of course. Uh, that's not in there. Um right. I think that what we're looking at with the Mueller investigation generally, this is in our data and you see it in national data, is there has been greater polarization on the views of Mueller since he started. At the beginning, um, people were sort of okay with him, But now Democrats are very confident in his investigation. Republicans give it very little credence. And so that great polarization kind of diminishes the effect of Mueller events. Now, a confession and a guilty plea coupled with uh, actual conviction in a case, those are the kinds of concrete things that could move opinion more as they go on and as they continue to develop because they go beyond mere rhetoric and show that independent judges or juries have reached these conclusions. So stay tuned, but I think we stay tuned over the next six months, uh, which will be, of course, past the elections, and see if there's any late-breaking things in the fall.
0: Professor, n- nationally, are you polling? And how are if you are, how are the other congressional races? Because there's been a lot of publicity and a lot of polls saying that the Democrats are going to take the House.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't do national polls, but I co-founded Pollster.com a few years ago, so this is stuff that I do all the time. The national generic ballot has been fairly steady on the vote for Congress, Democrat or Republican, with Democrats holding between a six- and seven-point lead there. Uh, It fluctuates from day to day, but mostly it's been in that range since April. That's enough to be a good year for Democrats. But it's maybe the question of is it uh, uh, enough to win the House? Probably. Is it enough to have a sweeping win of the House? No, probably not. And of course, this could change yet. But Republican support there has been pretty flat. Democrats have been fluctuating recently, have moved up just a little bit. But overall, not a lot of movement. Still good for the Dems, but not overwhelmingly so. Uh,
3: just back to Wisconsin, I'm just curious if, if trade wars are showing up in, in your polling.
1: They are, and we're seeing movement again affected by the rhetoric of the President and, and other Republicans. Uh, we've been asking whether trade tariffs will be good or bad for the U.S. economy. In uh, July, only 24% thought the tariffs would be good. That was in the wake of the president's attacks on Harley-Davidson as well. But now a month later, uh, tariffs good has gone up to about 34 or 5% support, and most importantly, Republicans, have gone from only about 40% thinking tariffs are good to now 60% of Republicans think tariffs are good. It's a strong example of political leadership being able to move their supporters, even on uh, economic ideas that we used to think were baked in in a free market Republican Party.
3: Charles Franklin, professor of law and public policy and the director of the Marquette Law School poll with all the numbers. Thank you so much. Well, coming up on Bloomberg Politics, Policy, Power, and Law, Democrats reveal their plans to overhaul the tax overhaul.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.